This is the Lions Unchained podcast, where the shackles of your mind are broken. It's not for the faint-hearted, but the chosen few who've embraced the call to leadership, dare to venture where others will not, and believe in God's supernatural power. Join Carl Joseph now for a life-changing word. Get ready to be unleashed into your destiny. Our broadcast today is somewhat controversial because our discussion revolves around how a small band of authoritarian leaders are able to control the nations of this world. These leaders, of course, regularly attend and are members of organizations such as the World Economic Forum, Bilderberg Conferences, Trilateral Commission, Council on Foreign Relations, so on and so forth. Now, of course, there's a segment of the population who thinks it's merely a conspiracy theory to claim that a small set of leaders are working against humanity behind closed doors. But the Bible speaks not of conspiracy theory, friend, but conspiracy itself. In other words, men and women have sat around large mahogany tables and conspired not only against God, but his anointed. And that includes you, friend. Let us turn now to the Holy Writ, Psalm 2, for an exposition on this very claim. I'm reading from verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Friend, the kings of the earth have taken counsel to conspire against God and his people, the church. Let's read that verse from the New Living Translation, verse 3 onward. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. The desire to free oneself from slavery to God is tantamount to spiritual rebellion and leads nations into darkness and destruction. These despotic leaders consider union with God slavery, when in fact separation from God is the very definition of slavery. Many leaders today want to have nothing to do with God and his precepts, but that is nothing new. Jesus said of the leaders of his day in Matthew chapter 20 verse 25, quote, Kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants, unquote. That's the Passion Translation, by the way. Also in the NLT, it says, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Evidently, nothing has changed, friend, from the very first despot in Genesis 11, also known as Nimrod. Tyranny has been evident in the earth in one form or another. Don't get me wrong, there have been a few good kings and rulers in the earth down the years, but sadly they are few and far between. With the ability to tax the populace on a whim, governments can steal from the masses all under the guise of legislation that effectively makes theft legal, or at least if the government sanctions it. I want to add here that it is lawful and righteous to pay taxes. However, there can be government overreach, and we're seeing this in the recent Agenda 2030, which right now, friend, is in effect in this world, even if you didn't realize it. And today, the trendy new form of taxation is carbon credits to avert the engineered and superficial disaster known as global warming, with farmers and industry being impacted the most. 
The objective is to grind humanity to a halt. Because frankly, there are just too many pesky humans wrecking the precious planet, a planet owned by the elite, or so they think. Romans chapter 13 states that we must conform to governments to the very best of our ability and seek peace with all men as best we can. Yet if these governments instigate oppressive laws that go against God's ruling statutes, then we are to resist this form of tyranny with our dying breath, just as the prophets and patriarchs have done down the ages. The famous saying, resistance to tyranny is obedience to God, was first coined from the book of Maccabees and is a rallying cry for every generation, but especially ours. So how does God respond to these earthly rulers who seek to depose his influence in the earth? Psalm 2 verse 4 says, He, that's God, sits in the heavens and laughs. The Lord shall have them in derision. In other words, God will make these global elites an object of ridicule and scorn. God will make a mockery of them and their plans. Verse 5, Then shall God speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. But what exactly is God so upset about with these ruling elites or kings? Because they oppose God's desire to establish a kingdom in the earth which will occur during the millennial reign of Christ. This is a time when the church will rule and reign as kings with Christ, amen? But these elitists have chosen mammon over God, and their lust for power has disqualified them from the kingdom to come. It's their choice, and God will judge them for it. With artificial intelligence, nanotechnology, and life extension capabilities, these elitists believe eternity is within their grasp, but God is going to spoil the party. The very kingdom they desire on earth will be destroyed by Christ's coming in the second advent. Time is running out, friend. This precious earth, which the globalists treasure, will soon burn to a cinder. Read 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 to find this out for yourself. This earth will soon be burned up. The elements will melt the heavens with fervent heat. And eventually, God will make a new heaven and earth for his pleasure. Trying to mitigate cow flatulence in the pursuit of cleaner air is as futile as it is asinine. If this topic intrigues you, by the way, I will soon upload another podcast regarding the global warming hoax, so stay tuned for that. Now let's go down to Psalm 2, verse 8. Ask of me, and I shall give you the heathen for your inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, you shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O you kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Verse 11. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Friend, the elitists have made God angry, because they're actually destroying the very earth God gave for our sustenance and enjoyment. In an effort to save the planet, humanity is being sacrificed. The very essence of saving the planet by reducing carbon emissions is the biggest hoax in history. Teenagers know that plants thrive on carbon emissions. Trees devour carbon dioxide and forests grow in abundance when more CO2 is available. Because people value the earth more than humanity itself, the creation or earth has become the center of worship instead of the creator as Romans chapter 1 warns against. In reality, Mother Earth worship, or Gaia worship, is at the very heart of the global green agenda. By establishing Earth-centric legislature, we are sealing our own fate by opposing God's natural laws. 
Did you know that you are a problem friend? Why? Because you breathe. According to globalists, each time you exhale, you are becoming an ever-increasing threat to this planet and ultimately them. Because they consider the Earth's resources to be finite. And Thomas Malthus, the cleric of yesteryear, proposed that we need to reduce the population rapidly or it will outstrip our resources. But like I said, CO2 is not a pollutant. It is a vital atmospheric trace gas and an essential nutrient for plant life that in turn gives us life. According to the climatological data, temperature increases before CO2 levels rise, not vice versa. Ambient temperature does not increase because of CO2 levels in the atmosphere. In contradistinction, without CO2 there would be no plants, no oxygen, no animals or humans, period. Scientists have proven that plants thrive in a carbon emission rich environment close to the levels at the peak of the Industrial Revolution and subsequent centuries. Plants thrive at 1200 parts per million by volume, but at the current levels of 390 ppm by volume, plants are actually malnourished. We need more CO2 in the atmosphere, not less. In truth, the very people who claim to be saving the planet are actually destroying it. Is there scriptural evidence of this? Yes, friend, there is. When God puts out his wrath during the seven-year tribulation period, which is imminent, he will do so against those who have defiantly opposed him, but especially because they have chosen to destroy the earth. Let's read Revelation chapter 11, verse 18. And the nations were angry, and your, thy wrath is come, that's God's wrath, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should give them reward unto your servants the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear your name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. This is a powerful and revealing scripture that applies to the elitists of this world, legislating from the tables of Bilderberger meetings, World Economic Forums, and the Council on Foreign Relations. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 4 reveals the whole world is corrupted through lust. The elitist lust for power, wealth, and control has corrupted their souls to the point of reprobation. They have now become the enemies of God, opposing his will and his people, and will suffer a heavy price for it. Remember when Al Gore said the oceans of the world would put us underwater by 2014? Well, that didn't happen, did it, friend? Along with countless other scaremongering predictions that spawn fear in the hearts of man, and fear, as we know, is a strong motivator. Needless to say, the real science shows the Earth has been cooling for the past two decades, but no one cares to report that. The lasting impact of generating fear in the populace has many benefits for the ruling authorities. This was a lesson first heralded by a German philosopher called George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. Indeed, it is Hegel's philosophy the elitists utilize to further their agenda today. Now, George Hegel lived from 1770 to 1831, born in Stuttgart, the son of a civil servant, later became a professor at the University of Berlin. Hegel initially devoured Greek philosophy in his studies and lauded the murderous French Revolution, but he was a staunch pantheist and best known as the philosopher who developed a dialectical or logical scheme that emphasized the progress of history and of ideas from thesis to antithesis and finally to a synthesis. It should be noted, this so-called progress was from a man who perceived the state or government to be divine or God. Hegel suggested the use of contradictions and opposites in society to achieve the original and hidden intent. 
In truth, Hegel was a pantheist equating God with the forces and laws of the universe. Hegel's worldview posited that God distances himself from personal interaction with his people, very much like the deists believed. But pantheism in Greek means everything is God, and that, my friend, includes evil as far as Hegel was concerned. We know from scripture that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God has nothing to do with evil, friend, nor utilizes it for personal gain. Yet by definition, Hegel sought to accentuate what he considered to be contradictions in people's thinking in order to expose the weaknesses of their views. He basically saw the weak spot in society and sought to exploit it for evil, although it might not appear evil on the surface. Hegel believed that society ebbed and flowed in God's ascendancy from thesis to antithesis and finally to synthesis. In other words, a problem is presented, whether natural or manufactured, which demands an urgent solution. The government or state then offers a solution and in doing so is able to push its agenda on the populace in the process. An agenda, I might add, that would never have been accomplished or even considered had the problem not posed itself in the first place. The fact that the government can impose itself by force did not bother Hegel one iota. In fact, he considered war as beneficial, preventing both stagnation in history and the preservation of nations. Tell that to the surviving families of the 150 million victims of world war and government despotism in the 20th century alone. These ideas or philosophies might seem quaint on paper, but the reality is far more nefarious. It was by this synthesis that society became more and more enslaved to the state, which Hegel considered to be God in the first place. Through subsequent solutions, the state posed as a savior to the people, albeit freedoms of the populace were relinquished during this Hegelian dialectic. It should come as no surprise that Karl Marx was a big fan of this Hegelian philosophy. He and Frederick Engels utilized this philosophy to back up their economic theory of communism. Few realize that Marx began his rebellion against Christianity as a student of the University of Berlin, where George Hegel lectured, and Marx was strongly influenced by him. Their aim was to eliminate Christianity altogether, and Marx wrote his manifesto to achieve this aim. And while we're on the topic, friend, Darwin's theory of evolution, published just 11 years after Marx's communist manifesto, sought to destroy God, eliminating him from human existence, and the shackles of godliness that bound society for centuries were finally broken. Man saw an opportunity to finally free himself of the chains of Psalm 2-3, as we have read, but in doing so enslaved himself to ungodly beliefs that placed him in further bondage. Incidentally, if you desire to learn more about Marx's agenda, you can go to our website and find the podcast under the search bar entitled The Dangers of Socialism, which is episode 28. Professor George Hegel believed that the dialectical movements of history, whether pandemic, war, famine, enslavement, liberty, or whatever, are merely expressions of God's providence through time. But to a pantheist like Hegel, good and evil are no different, merely two sides of the same coin, which seeks a universal aim. In other words, the advancement of the state and its agenda. The yin and yang of thesis and antithesis serve as a means to an end. Friend, this is nothing but another repackaging of the leaven of Herod that Christ warned us about in Mark 8.15.
Leaven, of course, is symbolic of corruption. The Herodians were a political party of Christ's day, comprised mainly of Sadducees. These Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection of the dead. Therefore, all that mattered for them was the here and now. There was no judgment for them in the afterlife, no eternal consequences for their actions. For the Herodian, politically aligned with the aristocrats of their day, it was about getting the job done no matter what, or, quote, the end justifies the means, unquote. Ethics took a back seat as long as their agenda was carried out to a T. This is a common saying in our vernacular today. Now, some modern analysts believe Hegelianism is the philosophy by which the elites of this world advance their agenda today, and who could argue with them? So how does this work in practicality? If we have a threat of terror, then the Patriot Act will enable us to monitor the threat with greater efficiency, albeit personal freedoms will be lost in the process, as the general population is subject to intrusive monitoring that it never would have considered had the threat of terror never been presented. Ultimately, freedoms were lost for all, not just for the terrorists. And I want to make it clear, there is a genuine threat of terror, no doubt. But who decides who the terrorists are? On the other hand, if we flood the nation with an estimated 5 million illegal immigrants under the Biden administration, as some news agencies claim, then we will have to call for a national disaster and the United Nations might intervene by reestablishing the borders of the United States, Canada and Mexico, which has been their agenda all along. And if you think this is a conspiracy theory, let's listen to the very words of Henry Kissinger at a Bilderberger meeting in Evian, France, circa 1992. And I quote, Today Americans would be outraged if UN troops entered Los Angeles to restore order tomorrow. They will be grateful. This is especially true if they were told there was an outside threat from beyond, whether real or promulgated, that threatened our very existence. It is then that all peoples of the world will pledge with world leaders to deliver them from this evil. The one thing every man fears is the unknown. When presented with this scenario, individual rights will be willingly relinquished for the guarantee of their well-being granted to them by their world government." Unquote. Notice the common and consistent theme throughout, friend, that individual rights must be relinquished for the collective or the greater good. World government will provide the synthesis of safety in Kissinger's eyes. Trouble is, if no one has individual rights, there are no rights, as the collective is intangible and impractical. Society is comprised of many individuals, yet if there are no individual rights, society ceases to exist. The point being, friend, is that governments of the world will utilize any crisis to their advantage, and if a natural crisis isn't coming along fast enough to meet their schedule, an engineered crisis can get the job done instead. To blindly and submissively follow the whims of all governments, claiming them to be divinely appointed, is both nonsensical and unscriptural. Rahm Emanuel, former mayor of Chicago and current ambassador to Japan, put it so eloquently when he said, quote, You never let a serious crisis go to waste. And what I mean by that, it's an opportunity to do things you think you could not do before, unquote. Never has a truer word been spoken, friend, if we believe the elites of this world are using this so-called Hegelian dialectic to further their agenda in society, with its ultimate desire for total and absolute control. Rahm Emanuel, in a rare moment of sincerity, shared the value of a crisis, whether natural or engineered, as an opportunity to advance the government's agenda. 
This will reach full manifestation in the tribulation period, but we're seeing the precursors of it now in this attempt to form a world government. In the tribulation under the Antichrist, it will reach full maturation, but until then we must occupy this world for Christ till he comes. The question we should all ask ourselves is, who benefits from the solution offered? And there are warning signs that the latest crisis might have been planned all along. Friend, we must be in the word of God and prayed up for these last days and the days ahead. I'm not trying to scare anyone in this podcast. Christ can and will lead us through difficult times. I have no doubt about that. And special provision can be made for his precious remnant when needed. There are difficult days ahead, certainly, and you will overcome because Christ is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Today, we have briefly discussed how evil men and women use philosophy to further their agenda. The Apostle Paul warned against this in Colossians chapter 2, verses 8-9. through 9. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Philosophy all started with Plato, and his beliefs are also utilized by the elites of this world, starting with his work, The Republic. More about that on another broadcast. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who has witnessed God's miraculous power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl covers topics such as geopolitics, current affairs, cults, societal trends, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.